Does anyone in here believe that they are completely spiritually mature? Raise your hand. Do you think you are completely spiritually mature? Okay, then this lesson today is for literally everybody. Uh, James chapter 3, verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So what I'm hearing from you is, this is going to be something you struggle with. And I'm here to tell you that this is something that I struggle with too. So we're all in here together. Buckle up. It's going to get hard. But we're not here to necessarily get a pat on the back today. We're here to grow in Christ. So that's what we're going to do today. Young or old, new Christian or mature Christian, there's work to be done when it comes to our tongues. Does what you say matter? Does what you type matter? The words we use are an outward showing of our hearts. The condition of your heart is reflected in every word you choose, whether you say it or type it. And so today, while we're here to examine our words, Ultimately, we're here to examine our hearts to see whether or not our hearts are in line with Jesus' heart. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the man speaks. And so the words that we choose to say are a reflection of how our heart looks. Your words are a stewardship. Often we think about stewardship and we think about the stuff we have. We think about the money that we have and it's like, oh, I have an obligation to make sure that I use these in the way that is going to glorify God. But do you realize that your words are also a stewardship? Because you have control over what comes out of your mouth. Now sometimes we like to say, I don't have control over what comes out of our mouth, but that's a hard problem. Because you do get a choice every day, every moment. You get a choice what comes out. And so we are to be using our words as a stewardship. Channeling them for God's purposes and God's glory. Our text comes from Proverbs. So if you want to flip over to Proverbs, we're going to be there for a little while. Our text today is Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Those who love talking are going to eat the fruit of the words that they said. That fruit can either be life, or that fruit can be death. So like in all things, you have a choice. The battle is raging, and you get to decide whose team you're on. Here's the thing. Only one team 
will become victors. And the other team will wallow in anguish and pain for eternity. And our words show whose team we're on. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so there are two points today. Team death and team life. And I am prayerful that we will all look at our lives, especially our tongues, with an honest evaluation of whose team colors we're wearing. With the words that we say and the words that we type. We're going to start with team death because nobody wants to end on a sad note. <laughs> we're going to start with the negative so that we can end on a high note. Team death. We're going to stay right here in Proverbs 18. We're going to kind of go backward through 18. In 1820, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. What came out of my mouth made me feel good. Can that be dangerous? Have you ever needed to just get something off your chest? Every word we use puts us on a team. And sometimes we need to think what does this word say about the team that I'm on? Verse 14. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear? How does someone's spirit usually get crushed? Is it not by something that someone says to them? Have any of you ever had a crushed spirit because of something that someone said to you? I have. Our words have power, life and death. And for each choice we make, God will judge us for those words. Verse 13. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. I'm quite positive none of us have ever done this. You've never been listening to someone formulating what you're going to be saying instead of listening to what they're saying to you, right? I'm the only one who's ever done that. You're talking to someone and you're on the defense and you're not even hearing them anymore. You got a comeback coming. You got a sharp little quip that's going to come back at them. Folly and shame. Those aren't words that I want to be associated with. Verse 8. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Ladies, this is why we gossip. Because it tastes good. It feels good. We like to hear the little inside knowledge, and we like to talk about it, and we like to have our little groups. Women struggle with this. We have to be careful, because if we like 
to hear the bad stuff that other people say about other people who were created in God's image? Whose team are we? Whose team are we? Verse 7. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The word ruin there can mean terror, a breaking down, destruction, ruins, right? A fool's mouth is his ruin. What's going to bring you down? Well, it's possible that your mouth can. And we don't like to think about it in that much seriousness. We say, oh, that's just how she is. Maybe that's not how she should be. <laughs> Our words tell something about whose we are. And when people listen to me, I want them to come away thinking she loves Jesus. But if I'm cutting people down, if I'm listening while other people are cutting people down, if I'm dividing the church by the things that I do and say about other people, about leadership, whose team am I on? It will be my ruin, my destruction. You can do all the righteous deeds you want, but if you can't get your tongue under control, you are in serious spiritual trouble. We have to work on our tongue. Now, I went backward for a reason, because at first it was like, oh, the tongue. And now it's like, yikes, the tongue. Um, don't worry, it gets worse in these next two. Verse um, <laughs> six. A fool's lip, lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. Nobody's ever been there, right? I'm thinking of a personal example of myself. When I was 16 years old, my sister was 21. I'm not saying either of us were right. I'm just saying that I was a very, very smart mouth 15-year-old. And my mouth walked into a beating. And my sister literally pulled off and slapped me in the mouth. Was she right to do it? Perhaps not. Did I deserve it in every way? <laughs> because I was being foolish. And my mouth invited a beating. Do we do that maybe mostly on social media these days? Where we walk into a fight. I mean, we're just, we're going for it. Such things ought not to be among women who belong to Jesus. Everything we do should point others to him. And if I am tearing down someone who was made in his image, I am not pointing people. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing or venting all his feelings. That one's sitting for a second. Anybody got any feelings? Big feelings? We ladies tend to have lots of feelings. If you let your feelings run away with your mouth, you've got a problem. That's what a fool does. I don't care. 
I don't care what this. I just, I just want to talk. I just want, I just want to run my mouth about it. No, we can't be this way. Now there are. I can't even. I can't even count how many proverbs there are about the tongue, and I had to severely limit them because there was just a lot. That's why I was like, you know what? I'll just stick in. I'll just stick in eighteen because that seems simple. <laughs> there are tons of proverbs speaking to controlling our tongue. And I think sometimes, maybe as women, I can only identify with what women feel, so I'm going to stick with that. But listen, as women, we often excuse our tongues, and I don't know why. Oh, that's just the way she is. Oh, well, they're busybodies, but what? The Bible tells us not to be busybodies, not to be gossip. We wouldn't walk around and be like, oh, well, they're just an adultery. <laughs> Nobody would do that, right? But we are dismissive when it comes to sins of the tongue. Oh, well, they're just on their back, Oh, well, they always whine and complain. How many times does the word of God have to say it for it to be what we're supposed to do? Our tongues show whose team we're on. So those have been some proverbs on unwise words. And again, let's just reread 1821. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You reap what you say. You reap what you say. And now I want to look at some people who had some unwise words. You just need it to be shown to you, not in a proverb. Sometimes proverbs can be a little tricky in our minds. Here's some people. Here's some people from Scripture that had unwise words. What about some self-focused words? Okay, in Proverbs 27, 2, it says, Let another praise you, and not your own mouth. A stranger, and not your own lips. But then we have this guy named Haman. And Haman thinks that he is the be-all, end-all of life. And the king wants to do something for somebody that has really, you know, helped the king out. And he's like, well, clearly that's you. I have the gift for the king. So here are all the things you should do to this person. Well, turns out, Haman wasn't talking about you. Okay, so then Haman has to eat his words, and it actually happens to, like, his greatest enemy. Which is awful. But do you want to be seen like that? Do you want to be seen like a fool who's just parading around saying, look how great I am, everyone? What about the rich fool? He's building up his barn and he's like, oh, I have this and I have that and tomorrow I'm going to do this and I'm going to build big barns and I, 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 I left no room for Jesus. Because I was too focused on myself. When you spend all of your time talking about yourself, that's an unwise way to use your speech. What about rash words? What about when God says, Abraham, Sarah, you're going to have a baby? Sarah's like, okay. You know, that's not happening. Hagar, there we go. (laughs) Yikes. Okay, what happens? We end up with this big old mess of a situation because Sarah's like, oh, I'm going to do this myself. <laughs> Brittany, you're fine. 
Brittany's like, she has always been. I, I'm sorry. Okay, those are rash words, right? But how often have you and I been guilty of the same thing? Have you ever spoken before you really thought through something? Never, right? Never. We would never do that. I volunteered for this project and I didn't realize I had so much to do. Okay, sometimes we're rash in our feeding. That makes us foolish. We think through things. We think and we pray before we speak. That's what a woman of God does. What about ridiculing words? I know no one in here has ever made fun of someone else. Think about the thieves on the cross with Jesus. What a life and death situation we got going here. Because on the one hand, we got team life. And he's like, Lord, let me be with you after this. And Jesus says, no. So what's the other one doing? Okay, we know, we've gone through the studies of what a crucifixion was like. We know how difficult it was to even speak. And what did that foolish thief choose to do with his words? To mock Jesus. I know. None of us ever struggle making fun of other people. Tearing people down with our words. What about deceitful words? Have you ever been deceitful? Tried to hide something? Had a Sapphira situation? No, we gave everything. No, you didn't. And it would have been fine to not give everything, but you lied about it. And you tried to be deceitful about it. People of light are not shady. And so we cannot be deceitful. Look at Rebecca. Rebecca was deceitful. And she's like, here, here, Jacob, I love you so much. I want you to want you to put all this stuff on and I want you to, you know, go in front of your father Isaac, you know, and do this whole plan. So I want you to be blessed. So she's got a host of issues anywhere. She's deceitful. And you know what happens to her? This son she loves so much. He leaves. He's gone, and she doesn't get to see him again. He has to flee for his life. See, our words have consequences. And if we choose unwise words, there will be a host of consequences. What about prejudiced words? Now, here's somebody I know you didn't have on your equipped bingo card, but we're going to talk about Zeresh. <laughs> and Esther, Zeresh is Haman's wife. Uh, she's married to someone foolish, and she does not prove to be much more wise. Uh, so Mordecai gets real mad after he's made his all boastful, like, everybody loves me, and surely the king's going to honor me. Well, he doesn't. So Haman goes home and whines. He returns home with mourning and his head covered. And in Esther chapter 6, Haman told his wife Suresh and all his friends everything that had happened. I'm sure none of that had whining or complaining in it. Then his wise men and his wife Suresh said to him, If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of the Jewish people, you will not overcome him, but surely fall before him. And so 
they are going to tell him he needs to have these gallons put up in them. Now, what's going to happen on these gallows? Well, turns out Haman and his sons are going to die. But if we're prejudiced against people, we don't like people because they're Jews, because they're this, because they're that, because they're different. We'll use words that show that our heart is not on the team of the God who is not partial. What about faithless words? Have any of us ever been guilty of having faithless words? What happens when the spies go out to look at the promised land? Two of them come back red. But what do the other ten do? We can't do this. We can't do this. They don't trust. They don't believe God's words. And because they do not trust, they do not believe God's words, they come back with these faithless words. You know what happens to them? They die of a plague. And then all their descendants and everybody else is going to have to wander for a long time. But they die of a plague. Because they chose to use their words not in a way that would honor God and praise him for his deliverance of bringing them out of Egypt and showing them this bountiful land. No. They chose to use their words in a faithless We all go through trials and hardship. We have an opportunity in those moments to show great faith in our God by the words that we say. What about bitter words? I remember Michael. She's married to David, and then she's not married to David, and then she is married to David again. It's a whole thing. But at one point, they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back, and David is dancing in front of it. This is one of those things where I'm like, look at this one. David's out there, he's excited, he's dancing before the Ark, and he comes in and meets Michael. Michael. It says she despises David in her heart. And so that kind of colors the words we hear when he gets back, and she's like, saw you out there dancing. <laughs> now that doesn't sound like anything any of us have ever said to anyone. <laughs> Definitely not. If you're married, for sure you've never had any moment like that with your spouse. This one's tough. Bitterness creeps in heart. Out of that root spring words that cut people down, that discourage their service to the Lord. These are unwise words. What about <clears throat> exasperated words? No, I just had enough, and I'm just gonna say whatever, explode. Perhaps this most comes and to mind in <clears throat> Tiny things pushing you to your very, very limits, and then finally you're just blah! <laughs> Think about Samson. What happened to Samson? This lady comes in and she's wearing him down and she's wearing him down and she's nagging and she's nagging. Well, there's some unwise words. 
But just because somebody comes at you with unwise words doesn't mean you get to meet them with unwise words. And so he finally, in exasperation, exasperation, he's like, oh, it's my hair. He tells her. And then what happens? He loses his strength. He loses his eyes. He gets put in bondage. All because he had this moment of slipping in it. That's what None of us have ever been married. But see, I say that and we laugh. It's not funny. I hate this about myself. Your sins separate you between you and your God. I despise when my tongue goes places I don't want. does because the tongue's in a wet place and slips around a lot. <laughs> this is why we have to be so careful. This is why it's a heart matter because we have to examine our hearts so that we can control our tongue. What about loveless words? Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, have not loved. It profits me Who were the smartest people in the first century? Scribes and Pharisees? <clears throat> How is it going with that? And then, like a whole chapter where Jesus is just like, Woe to you! Woe to you! Woe to you! <laughs> That's not what we want! And yet, so often, we come in and we sit in our pew and we, we do the right things and we attend all the things, but we're devoid of love. And we aren't speaking to each other out of love. Instead, it's kind of judgy or it's deceitful or it's hypocritical. We're sisters in Jesus. And just like Brittany talked about last lesson, we can go to each other and trust that the person on the other end of this conversation is going to be there to help me. And that means they're going to be there to rebuke me when I'm wrong, uphold me when I'm weak, care for me, and show me love. Loveless words, unwise words. What about delinquent words? Words that are not on time. In Numbers chapter 14, Israelites have been told now, okay, the spies came back and they give this report and then everybody's like, no, nah, we're not going to go. And God's like, whoop, this is not going to be good for you. You're all going to wander forever. And they're like, oh, we don't want that. That sounds terrible. Wandering in the wilderness. Not like that. We know what we will go. We will go. We're going to go. We're going to fight. We're going to do the thing. And God says, Going. And Moses tells them, don't go. God's not going with you. Don't go. And they're like, no, 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 no. You said go, we're going to go. But now it's too late. So they go and they get defeated because it was too late. Sometimes we got all the right words, but it's too late. We think about it after the fact. We missed the opportunity. We may never run into that soul again. We had the perfect opportunity to invite him or to correct them in that hour. 
then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Do you want your words to bless the lives of those who hear them? Then before you speak, before you type, put it through the James test. Are these words mature? Are they peaceable? Are they gentle? Are they open to reason or are they demanding my own way? Are they full of mercy and good fruit? Are they impartial, sincere? If I would stop you in James test, I would stop a lot of the strife that comes up in my life. The second place, Let's look at the Philippians text. In Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Well, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so what we think and what we dwell on ultimately is going to come out. So before it comes out, studying and I want you to take some proverbs because there are a lot of proverbs on good words just like there are bad but here are just a, a sampling of some of the things in proverbs do your words spread knowledge are they a tree of life are they honeycomb are they health to the body do they make the hearer glad these aren't just things that it's like, maybe you should try doing these. These are things that scripture tells us our words are to be. So as we said, our words are to The voice you have been given, the people around you, the life that you have, the influence that you have, the social media presence that you have, how are you stewarding your words so that everyone within your circle hears your words and glorifies our Father who is in heaven. Because that's the I don't want to talk just so people hear me. I don't want to talk to put others down and make myself feel better. If I use words, and I want them to glorify God. Because that's the purpose of my whole life. So here are some tips for our health. Apologizing 
when you weren't wrong isn't wrong. I want you to think about Abigail. Her husband was a fool. And I'm not saying that. The Spirit is saying that. Nabal is foolish. And he acted like it. And he talked like it. And his mouth invited obedience. This was Nabal. And Abigail hears it. Abigail has not done anything wrong. She likely didn't even pick him to be her husband. Her whole family is going to be slaughtered. That's what's coming. She goes out. She meets David and falls prostrate on the ground and she starts apologizing. What does she do? I'm a man, I'm a husband. I'm my brother. It might not be. But you know what a wise tongue does? It stalks peace. It promotes peace. And so she's out there humbling herself, prostrate on the ground, saying, I am so sorry. If, if we had known, I am just, I am so sorry. And she is wise. This lady bringing up stuff now, David and Goliath. Like, she is awesome. Was it her fault? But apologizing, when you're not wrong, also in Christ Jesus. If Jesus can come and take on sin that he did not commit so that I can go to heaven, then I can apologize for something that I wasn't wrong about if it promotes peace. It is the very least I can do. Alright, in the second place, Saying hard things doesn't have to be rude. Let's think about Priscilla. Here's Apollos, and he is zealous, and he is wrong. And Nicole and Priscilla do not stand up and berate him in front of the crowd. This false teacher writing him up on social media. He's the worst. That's not what they do. That's not what they do. Imagine that. They take him to the side. Humbly and gently correct the wrong because it would have been unloving not to. They correct the wrong but not rudely. And I think sometimes our zeal is way up here and our love is way up here. We gotta adjust the fingers. Put up the same. We love people enough to correct. In the Old Testament, Joab was David's commander. Joab saw some stuff and went through some stuff, and he was a mighty man of God. When Absalom dies, David's heart is broken. Now, Absalom went and declared himself king, so treason, basically wishing his father was dead. He did all of these things against David, and now he's killed, and David is mourning, and 
he is so sad. And, and Israelites have died to secure David's reign. And David's just over and Joab comes in. This cannot have been an easy conversation. Joab comes in and he says, These people went to war for you. And you're over here mourning, and you need to be the king. You're God's anointed. I mean, that was bold. But he didn't just come in and he's like, you know what? I'm tired of all these people and he just starts killing them. You know, Joab could have made a mighty king. He knew his place. And he comes in. And because he's David's friend and advisor too, he tells David what he needs to hear. Although, he's putting his life at risk. You walk into the king and tell the king something he didn't want to hear. The king can kill people. you can say what needs to be said. Now, one of the most horrible moments of my life. I was in eighth grade. I was sassy. We've talked about this is a running thing. <laughs> um, I was sassy. I was learning what sarcasm was. I was not good at using it. I was just, I was just cutting people down. Red, black, right and left. My quick wit. It was just like, hi -ya! You know, like, you're all dead. So I'm killing you all. That's what I was doing. And I didn't have um, spiritual examples in my home that were going to be leading me in, in these directions. And so my next door neighbor was my very best friend. And she was a year older than me. And her mom let me spend the night with them on Saturday nights. And they would take me to church. And she'd make cinnamon rolls. She was awesome. <laughs> this lady was awesome. We have cinnamon rolls on Sunday morning in this Jamie's honor. Like, she put an impact on me. Okay, so we're best friends. I'm there all the time. Oh, but I have become this rude little sassy, sarcastic meaning, meanager. I don't know if it's not, it is. No. I was a meanager. <laughs> and Miss Jamie sat me down. We were at a, we were at a youth rally. Gives vent to his full vent 
to his spirit. And a wise man, me, <coughs> holds it back. I don't know if you can tell. I kind of have a full spirit. I'm a lot. I tell people that I'm a lot. Then it would be foolish of me to say everything that I everything that I because as a Christian who is around other imperfect Christians sometimes my feelings get hurt as a preacher's wife sometimes my feelings get really hurt <laughs> as a mom my feelings get hurt I just got a lot of feelings but I get hurt a <laughs> and if I said everything that I felt I would show that I was the king of my life and not Jesus. But because he is king, then I'm going to temper my words and temper my responses through what he would have me say. If your words don't make people feel better, they aren't profitable. They aren't. Proverbs 31. We all know about the Proverbs 31 woman. One of the characteristics of the Proverbs 31 woman is about her tongue. Verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. This lady, she's a lot of things. And there are some things that she is that I would probably never be, like an early writer. Um, but, but there are some things here that I have to be. Like known for kindness. Known for speaking with wisdom. Is this what I'm known for? Is this when I she opens her mouth with wisdom. Wisdom is coming out, don't open it. Praise is always the right response. When big things happen in the Old Testament, here are some things that happen. Miriam, she breaks out in a song. Another good thing happened, Moses breaks out in a song. The book of Psalms, David's just breaking out in songs all the time. When good things happen, praise God. Don't praise yourself. Don't praise this or that. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Use your words to glorify God. Only let God be your fighting words. When David goes before Goliath, he does not come at him and he's you know, telling him all these things that he's done. He lets God be his fighting words. You are the enemy of God, but I'm coming to you. God is the one I'm not my strength, not who I am. If there are enemies you have to stand up to, do it in the name of God and not yourself and your own strength and your own pride. Pray before you say. If you learn nothing else from the life of Nehemiah, he's got a big ask of the king as he wants to go back home. He's the cupbearer. It's probably hard to find a trusty cupbearer. Before he goes, before he goes, he and I just stops real quick and he has one of those silent prayers and then he keeps going. 
Ladies, we need that. Every day we need that. I'm in the middle of a text message and I need that. Nope, I gotta stop and pray about this. I'm about to respond to somebody, I gotta pray about this. I'm about to read this on Facebook, I gotta pray about this. <laughs> pray before you say. But it is really hard to call on the name of God and immediately curse someone else. All right, we've got to go so fast because people are people are inside. All right, you've all heard the illustration. We want to be so full of the word that when a mosquito stings us, it comes away singing nothing but the blood. Right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know my husband. You know my husband. I have to put something cheesy out there just for just for fun. But that's what we want. We want to be so full of the Word of God and so full of the love of God that when we speak, what comes out is praise and glory to Him. Matthew 12, 36 and 37. I tell you, on that day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. James 1, 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Ladies, we have been equipped this weekend. We have been filled up. But if we leave here and we start complaining and bashing people and talking ugly to our family, our religion is worthless. Our words are a stewardship. Glorify God in all you do. Proverbs 13, 3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Psalm 141:3. set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. You reap what you say. Choose team life. Jesus died so that you would choose team life. The victory is already won. You know the winning team. Make sure that every day your words choose him. Psalm 1914, if you know it, I want you to say it with me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my God, my You don't know that verse? I want you to word it this way. Put it before your mind all the time. That's my prayer for all of us. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be what pleases God, not just what feels good.